0: I not how I feel about uh, pumpkin spice toilet paper. But uh, we have a gift for you outside if you'd like some, so <laughs> welcome to fall. Uh, welcome. My name is Dominic. I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't met or you're first time here, so glad you're here. We are continuing in a series of James. So if you have a Bible with you and paper or on your app, I'm going to encourage you to turn to James chapter 1. And as we look at James, we look at it as a book of wisdom. It's wisdom literature where... James is writing specifically, if we think the last two weeks, he's writing to the church that's dispersed after a persecution has happened, and, and they go and they spread, and he's writing a letter as a pastor to the encourage them. In the first week, we see finding joy in trials, and in and last week, we see that God's a father, and he's a good gift, and, and temptation comes, but that's not from God, and, and how we can respond to that. And, and today, we're going to be looking at a, a few more nuggets that come out of that, but as we think about wisdom, I, um, I got a haircut yesterday thanks for noticing. And um, the lady was cutting my hair, and I don't know what you're like when you get your hair cut, but I try and talk. I'm really annoying. Like, Curtis, I try and talk when you're working on my teeth. And it's, so it's really hard for me to shut up sometimes. And so I just talk, and I get to know them. And in a 20-minute haircut, I've never met this lady, I hear her whole life story. And I ask, you know, usually the first question is, how's your day going? And what got you in into haircutting? And and tell me more about that. And, and so this woman was 67. She's from Laos. And she uh, left because communism and communism was taking over her country. So her and her husband got married at 21 and 23. And they moved. And come to find out, 21 and 23 is old for their culture. She was kind of an old lady getting married. And, uh, and they've been married now for 50 years and, or 42 years. She has a 40-year-old daughter who's not married yet. And that's weird for her. And I said, well, what's the secret to 42 years of marriage? She's like, there's no secret. The secret is just, like, endure. (laughs) I was like, that sounds awful. She's like, my friend says, she says, it's not happy anniversary. It's, like, happy suffering. And I was like, okay, good. Like, note to self, marriage, 42 years. And what's it like raising a 40 year old daughter who's not married now? And, and that's weird for you culturally. And, and what do you think of America? She's like, well, it's my country. She's like, I only lived in Laos for 19 years, and I've lived here for 42 years. So this is home. Okay, well, tell me about that. And what have you seen? And how have you seen the. And all of a sudden, a 20 minute conversation, you see all these little nuggets of wisdom from this 67 year old Laotian haircutter. And we're looking for sources of wisdom all the time. I don't know what your earliest memory of wisdom is, but for me and my family, growing up, my dad would tell these stories about a guy named Bad Billy. Bad Billy, he said, apparently was one of his cousins. I don't know if that's ever true. I've never authenticated that story or that component. But Bad Billy stories were a nightly ritual in our house. And Bad Billy would be a story about how to treat your parents. And Bad Billy would do one thing, and you'd go, Oh my gosh, Bad Billy did that but his sister, she was like this. Bad Billy, he, he lit the kitchen on fire, and he knew he wasn't supposed to play with the stove, but this happened. And Bad Billy did this to the neighborhood kid, and Bad Billy stole something from the store, and all of a sudden, these little nuggets of wisdom were ingrained in the story of Bad Billy. And when I became a father, I started telling the story of Bad Billy to my own kids. I had no idea what I was doing. I just literally go like, okay, Bad Billy. At one point, it was like My Little Pony and Bad Billy and Transformers and car, because our kids were like, well, does he know, you know, Optimus Prime? I'm like, of course he knows Optimus Prime. Yeah, and Optimus Prime is the the moral authority and Bad Billy's blowing it and we, you know. So Bad Billy became the source of wisdom. Never were those stories about, here's how to be my son. Never were those stories about, if you want to be a part of the family, you do this. If you don't, you're not a part of the family. Bad Billy was a story of, this is what it means to be a nuncio. That's my last name, Nuncio. Messenger of good news is actually what my last name means. No pressure. (laughs) To be a nuncio, this is what the rules of the family are. You are 100% my son, Dominic. Celestine, you're 100% our daughter but to function and operate like a member of this family. This is the rules and the code of the conduct included into the story of Bad Billy. Does that make sense? He wasn't ever saying, you're not a son if you act like Bad Billy. What he was saying was, this is a better design of life for you. And if you operate like Bad Billy, harm will come. Pain will come. Relational disconnectivity will come. But you're still 100% my son. In a similar way, the pastor James is writing a letter to his churches that are now dispersed. Not to tell them you're not in the family. Not to tell them your doctrine is off. But simply give bad Billy stories and little nuggets to say this is how you operate now as people in the family of God. You got to remember that most of these people in their lifetime walked and saw Jesus, maybe saw the crucifixion of Jesus, and because of their faith in Jesus are being persecuted, running away, they're dispersed, they've become outcast, despondent, rejected by society, because of their faith and belief in who Jesus was. So James doesn't really spend a lot of time saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. This has come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. This is the good news, the gospel, that Jesus, who was God, became humbled himself and became man and dwelt among you. And he paid a penalty that was meant for you and me. And he died and hung on that cross. And he conquered sin by dying, being buried, and rising again, the church would say, we know that. That's why we're dispersed. We just saw Stephen be stoned for that. We're fearful. We've lost relationship. We're, moral, we're social pariahs now. Relationship has been cut off. So James doesn't start with the gospel, but he starts with the He he knows that the gospel is the baseline for why he's writing this letter to everyone. And in Bad Billy stories, he gives what one commentator says, pearls of wisdom. You read the book of James, and it's not like point A, point B, point C conclusion here. It's like the book of Proverbs. You read one verse, and it's a pearl of wisdom. Kids of God in the new humanity, in the new kingdom, as being shaped and changed and informed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Point A. And then he goes random to another point and then to another thing. It's a random bad Billy story at night going, can you include the transformers in the next thing you say? You got it. So that's the foundation for where we start with. So when we see some of these words and moving forward, never does James say, you're not a kid of God and a kid of the kingdom." But he's saying, God has made a better way for us to operate with each other. In this new humanity, here's how we encourage each other. Here's how we respond to situations. Here's how we show the watching world that the good news of Jesus is real and alive and true. And it's worth it. So hang in there. You're uncomfortable. Hang in there. Shortly after this book, James is martyred because of the lifestyle that he lived. And so overall theme of this book is not just doctrinal orthodoxy. Not just all the right rules and regulations and you know it well. He's saying it's that and orthopraxy. That you have to practice what you're learning. There's two errors in what we would read if we read it wrong. One is that you have to earn God's favor to be his kid. Well that would be fundamentally wrong. And the other is that there's inactivity in your faith. You've been saved, now do nothing. So big fancy words is one is legalism and one is license. And James is saying in these next pearls of wisdom that I give you, it's both. We have to believe the right thing about who Jesus is. We have to know what the the word of truth, the perfect law that he will talk about, the good news of Jesus, we have to cling to that and know that. And we have to put that in practice because for James, you'll see all over, faith not in action is no real faith at all. Again, not you're not in the family, but you're not living in the way that God designed you to be. Does that make sense? It's important before we even go to the first verse that we understand that. Otherwise, we hear law, perfectionism, moralism, and burden when we walk away. Instead of you're his, you're loved, If you're in Christ nothing can change that or shake that and he's designed a better life for you with the intention in this new humanity to live out these wisdoms of truth make sense give me some head nods I'm sweating okay James chapter 1 verse 19 through 27 it'll be on the screens if you don't have it my dear brothers and sisters take note every one of you be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight ring on his tongue, he deceives himself. And his religion is worthless. Religion that our Father, God, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for the perfect law, and the word of truth that gives freedom this morning. And I pray that as we study it and allow it to study us, that by your spirit, you would teach us how to walk in step with you, that you would show us the life that you've designed for those in Christ this morning, that you give wisdom on how we live out and express this faith, how we declare the good news with our lives to each other and the world around us. Would you use these moments now to convict and correct as we talked about before that the impurities of life would rise to the top and that you would continually purify those things. And as we look into your word now, God, shape us as a community and people of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 19. My dear brothers, every one of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Bad Billy story number one. He writes that not because they're doing great at that. He writes that because it's so countercultural. Think about how hard that is in our lives today, to be quick to listen, the idea of that you're disciplining yourself to listen to what's being said without already coming up with an argument for how you're going to counter that. Maybe you've been in a social setting in the last year, if you can reflect on that, that you or somebody to you heard you speak or was speaking to you, and you were already coming up with your defense to tell them why they were wrong. Well, I know CNN said that, but Fox said this. Well, I know Francis Chan said this, but James MacArthur said this. John MacArthur said this. Well, I know the surf report said that, but I drove out and saw it. I know you think stand has a better taco, but no way. It's Kotihan. The orange sauce is amazing, you should try it afterwards. Amen. Amen. It's the gospel truth right there. It's lofty. No, 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 it's better buzz. Small and big things. We're ready to give a defense. And James is saying the mark of the changed person is to be quick to listen. I'm disciplining myself to say, I think what I heard you say was this. Is that correct? It's also marking dignity in that person of saying that, what you have to say matters to me in this moment. So I'm gonna sit and shut up for a minute. Be quick to listen, disciplining ourselves. Be slow to speak. Again, shut your mouth and listen. Church, you're talking over each other. You're trying to get your way. You're trying to usurp one's authority over each other. Be slow to speak. Patient with one another. Our words have power, and maybe you've been shaped by some harsh words in your life. And and, and conversely, maybe you've seen somebody speak words into you that lifted your soul for the next month because they called out good in you, and they saw you when you thought no one saw you, and you felt seen and heard like you'd never been in life. Whatever it is, James is saying the latter is, has the priority. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. And when you speak, you'll see that he cares about the tongue a lot. He gives a whole chapter to it in chapter 3, which we'll get to a few weeks. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that. But I think we can all relate to that. I had a kid in 7th grade make a comment to me at a high school talent show rehearsal that shaped the next 20 years of my life. He said, I don't think you can sing, Dominic. And he was one of my best friends. And I instantly heard that and said, I'm not a singer. My voice sucks. I'll never sing in front of people. And the funny part about that is I spent the next 20 years singing in front of people, (laughs) and making records, and getting record contracts, and every time I would step on that stage, Jordan's seventh-grade voice would be in my head, saying, you can't sing. Good morning, Seacoast let's sing. Words have power. They bring life or they bring destruction. So be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And James is tying the tongue and anger together. He's saying you're so loose with your lips that you're so thoughtless with your words that it's a marker and it's an indication of of the wellspring of life that comes out. What's in the heart comes out of the mouth. There's anger. So he's echoing his brother, his stepbrother's words, Jesus, of the overflow of the heart. That's what you speak. And he's also pointing to the Father's heart. Psalm 103 would say that the Father is is slow to anger and abounding in love, that he's rich in mercy, that he treats us like a good father. Doesn't reject, but he brings in and he and he enfolds us into himself. So be slow to anger. He never says, Don't be angry. There's a time for anger. We've talked about that in Fruit of the Spirit if you go back to that. But it's a marker of Fruit of the Flesh, what Paul would write, if anger is what is our operating system. He finishes that statement with verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When he uses the word righteousness, know this, he's not talking about the righteousness that's been imputed to us. He's not saying, he's declaring to the church, you are righteous, you've been made righteous by the righteousness of Christ, by the finished work of the cross. You are righteous. You are sons and daughters of the king. You are in right standing with God. But the fruit of that life, the the, the declaration of righteousness is this, that your anger is not your your go-to operating system. It's not the soil. He's using like farming language a couple of times. It's not the soil, the good soil, that God can then grow something in you. He's given us fruits, which is why you have therefore the very next verse. It ties into verse 18. These good gifts that come, the good gifts of the gospel, the word of truth, that these are the first fruits that he created. He's now created the soil, and he's saying the soil of the righteous life, the, the good life that I've designed for you is this. Anger has no place there. It's not the way God designed you. It's not the new humanity that I've came to express the kingdom. So stop. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. That's the life I've designed for you. First pearl. Second bad Billy story. Do not merely listen to the word. Oh, sorry. Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you." He uses a word there that is literally to change your clothes, to put off evil. It's to put off, take off the beggar's clothes, the soiled, stained, smelly, tattered clothes of anger, and the life that that produces, of the moral filth that that produces, and you can fill in the blank he does for the next five chap- four chapters. You take those off and you put on the clean clothes, the clothes of the righteousness of Christ, the clean new clothes, an undefiled faith, and live in this way. Accept the word that was planted in you, the gospel, the good news that shapes and changes who we are. You accept that humbly. The humbly means, we've talked about it before, but the sort of gentleness or meekness your Bible might say, it's that you humbly accept what God says, and you don't dispute that. You accept what he says as good, and you don't argue that. You're humbly accepting the word that is being coming through the word now, and you humbly accept the gospel truth of who you are and who you are, whose you are and who you are in this new kingdom reality. So accept the word planted in you. Story two. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, verse 22, do what it says. Everybody say, do what it says. says. It's pretty self-explanatory. I don't think I need to expound too much on it. Everybody reading that is going, okay, what's the next one? Do what it says. Okay, I guess I do what it says. What's like the subtext of that? Oh, it's do what it says. Okay, if you didn't get it, anyone who listens to the word, let me give you a little story. Anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Do what it says. Uh, my family owns a gym, and so at our table a lot is a lot of gym strategies and conversations. Right now, we're planning a fall competition. It's a CrossFit gym, and, and they're planning all these workouts. and. My son and my daughter and my wife and my father-in-law, they're all talking about these things. and A lot of strategies. A lot of what about this and what about this and what if we put the equipment here and what if we lift this and what does that feel like? Okay, that feels good. Could people do that? And I was in the gym the other day and I'd hurt my back doing a lift last week, so I've been kind of mellow. And I started stretching and this guy Ian comes next to me and he starts talking. We just start, you know, I usually don't like talking to anybody in the gym, if I'm honest, Um, which doesn't really work for a CrossFit gym, because everybody's looking at each other going, go, do it, do it. And I'm just like, okay, shut up. (laughs) But he starts talking, and how's life? And we catch up really quickly. And then we go into strategy mode. And he talks about an app, and I go, oh, I got that app on my phone. And he's like, you do? Come on over here. And we sit together, and he opens the app, and then you can do this and this and this, and you can put in this weight, and if you had a bad night's sleep, you can put in this, and what are your macros like? Your macros okay? Okay, Then we put this in and this. And do you have coffee? All right, yeah, you can do that. And then I wear this watch. It's a Whoop watch. It's really cool. It monitors my heart rate. It monitors my sleep. And then I, I put those two things together, and it's this amazing workout. And at the end of it, I'm, like, encouraged. Challenged, I'm equipped, I have more knowledge, there's a mutual camaraderie happening. But the one thing that didn't happen was I didn't work out that day. <laughs> he took an hour of my time talking about this app and strategies, and I felt so encouraged and all these things. But at the end of it, I looked at the clock and I was like, All right, Ian, see you tomorrow, man. And I, like, put my stuff away, and I was like, that sucked. (laughs) And I left. Church, can I tell you, is that the current state of your faith? It's the state of my faith at times. And James is saying, that's as dumb as a guy looking in a mirror and forgetting what he looks like. We circle up in this time, and we feel encouraged and challenged, and maybe there's a couple of ha-has, and I hope he speeds this part up. Didn't really understand the Bad Billy thing, but I love the Transformer thing. The coffee was OK. Got to see some friends. Felt encouraged, felt challenged. Liked the music, didn't like the music, liked the lights, didn't like the lights. But I have a small group on Tuesday that we meet, and we study the Bible, and it's really good. And uh, man, I'm just learning so much. And those are good things James is saying. But he said, but what do you do with it? What are you doing with it? Sort of this fat baby, get to work. You have everything you need because you're a kid of the king. You have the gospel, which is life and truth. And, and all I'm saying is wisdom lesson number two, do what it says. Put it into practice. If not, you're the strategy at the gym with me and Ian the other day. You felt all the things that are good things, but you missed the final step. You don't know what it's like to hold that weight you don't know if that strategy actually works for you some of you're like you know bible before paper and i'm like i don't want to wake up till 9 and you're like i wake up at 4:30 and look at the sunset and i prefer reading at night strategies are just strategies whatever it gets you to do what it says is the key if you don't james's warning is you deceive yourself it's an error in your rationale. You literally can't think straight. You think you're getting all this knowledge, but you are not thinking straight. You have all that you need. You just have to go do it. I know how to lose weight. I should probably not have had hagen dazs last night. And I needed to run instead of just lift. It's not miracle science. Like, I know that. I'm tired this morning. Well, I probably should have gotten more sleep instead of watching that movie late last night with my son. You know those things. They're not huge fundamental things. Do what it says. Or you're deceived. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, say perfect law, that gives freedom. Say freedom. Thank you. You Good. And continues to do this, forgetting what he, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He echoes again Jesus' words in Luke 11:28: 28. Blessed is the one who hears the word of God, and when hearing it, obeys it. So you have one person who hears and does nothing with it, and they're deceived. They're missing out. It's what he will call undefiled religion. They're missing out on the design of the king, and they're missing out on the life that God's designed for them in his kingdom. Or they're blessed because they do what they say. When they look intently into the word, it's, it's kind of like the same word when he says, be quick to listen. It's the discipline to look, and I accept it, and I regard it as important and I meditate on it, and I'm contemplative of it. I'm going, what does that say? I have to think about that. And I continually look at it, and then I put it into practice, which means if I put it into practice, I'm not perfect at it. When I first picked up a guitar, I was eight years old, and my dad was trying to teach me how to play. And I wanted nothing to do with it. I was a drummer. So I picked up the guitar, and I'd go, blah, 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 and I'd put it away. I did that for four years. And then by the time I was finally like, I heard Jimi Hendrix and my head exploded, and I was like, I have to do that today. My fingers didn't know what to do, and they hurt, and they got calluses, and I sat in front of a record player for hours and hours and hours. And I made so many mistakes before I could even play a C chord hours and hours of coming home and thinking and reflecting and then putting into practice. How does that guy hold this? What if I do this? What does this sound like? And I put it into practice. And eventually I come to a place where I could get with a group of friends who were putting something into practice and we tried making something together. And it was awful. (laughs) Back in the day I had a pager. We didn't have cell phones. And a friend sent me a message on my pager one day. Beth Avery, if you're listening, thank you. She sent me this message and I go to a payphone because that's what we did, I show how old I am now. And I'm listening and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the worst thing I ever heard. And I call her back later and I said, what was like that awful sound? And she starts laughing and she said, that was you. That was your first band. That's how good of friends we are. We sat through that. We put into practice. I'm so glad that there was an Instagram to show all the fails and mistakes that I did over the years. Practice means it takes time. God, who is patient and gentle and slow to anger and abounding in love, he's saying, I know it's going to take you time. It's not about your sonship or your daughtership at this point. It's learn to walk in the spirit and practice the things of the kingdom and have fun at it. And you'll be blessed as you do it. Does that make sense? Next." If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight ring on his tongue, there's the tongue again. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. The word religion is really sort of a common Greek phrase at the time. And it's talking about uh, not just a ceremonial uh, act of worship, but there's a high regard for God and there's attached to this ceremony there is a outward manifestation it's not just an internal thing and it's an external thing that is practice that i worship god externally so that others can see him now in the greek word they're talking about gods of many kinds but when james writes about yahweh and the king in the kingdom he's saying like that you put those things into practice that's what your religion is Again, it's not you're saved if you don't do that. It's, it's your religion and, and your devotion to God, your worship to Him is consecrated in contemplation and reflection. So if you don't do that, and one way that you don't do that, it's not a, a, a com- comprehensive list, is a tight ring on the tongue. If my God is so loving and kind and generous and patient and forgiving... And what comes out of the mouth of his kids is the opposite. How in the world do those things come together? What I speak about, I value. What we communicate is what is important to us. So church, keep a tight rate on the tongue. Slow to Anger quick to listen. That's what true religion looks like. If you don't, you deceive yourself. And your religion is worthless. That word worthless literally means vain, empty, like a a builder building a house on the sand, like somebody chasing after the wind, like somebody pursuing their own shadow, going, I got it, I almost got it. That's what your faith is like. That's what your worship and devotion to is, how you're expressing it. That's what it's like. It's worthless. We would all go, "That's insane. Look at that guy chasing his shadow over there. He thinks he's almost got it. It's so fun when we see our dogs like chase their tail. He's like, "That's you. That's, that's you." So do what it says, as kings of the, as kids of the king, do what it says and live the life that he's designed for you. And the social implications. The last person will start landing the plane. The last bad Billy pearl of wisdom nugget. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself being polluted by the world. This outward manifestation and expression of what we know is doctrinally true as we put it into practice is this not an exhaustive list but it's a point at the heart of the father is that you look after the widow and the orphan the widow and the orphan is still something that we would say today is a class of people that um, are oppressed that are rejected that struggle That often finds himself in the poorest of the poor class. And and back then it was worse. When a woman's husband would die, she would have no rights to the inheritance. So my life insurance plan: if I die, you know, I'm worth a million and a half dollars. So, you know, my kids get a million and a half bucks. It's great there's an insurance guy that thinks more, we can talk afterwards. My wife gets that. If my wife dies, my kids get that. They get our house, and they get my belongings, and there's a will that says, this goes to you. But during then, that woman's husband would die, and her land would be up for grab. And she would get none of that money. How unprotected and vulnerable is she at that moment? No way to earn wages. A second-class citizen at that point not equal standing or equal footing in that society. She's the poorest of the poor. The orphan, right there with her. And James is saying the heart of the Father in the kingdom is that humanity matters and all people matter to me. Psalm 68.5 would say that he's a father to the fatherless. Deuteronomy 1018 would say that he corrects oppression and goes after the orphan and loves the sojourner and clothes him and feeds him. Isaiah 1 would put a reprimand on the church and saying, stop with your new moon harvest and your religious festivals and all these things that you're doing. Instead, seek justice, do good, correct oppression, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. That's how you worship me. That's a really cute song, and it's important, but go feed somebody. That's a really cool Bible study, but did you see all the homeless people that you walked by before you got here? And you thought, what are they doing here? Go care for them. Did you see the lady who pushes her cart along the street of Regal Road? Did you ever ask her her name or learn her story? Or did you go, why is she washing her clothes right here on our plaza? I'm trying to have my coffee. The heart of the father and the kids of the king are to now express his heart to each other and to the world around us. So if you want pure religion, if you're seeking wisdom as James says, you go after the things of the father. This is what you do. These are the things that you put to practice. This is what the world's longing to see. You go after the least of these. Because the gospel message was that was I was dead in sin and I needed rescue. You brought nothing to the table and yet God who is rich in mercy made you alive in Christ. So why wouldn't our natural response be I got to go do that. As I've been touched by the love and goodness and graciousness of God. Maybe I wasn't an orphan in life, but I was orphaned from the father. Church. It's an imperative that we respond in such a way, that we go after the marginalized, the rejected, that we don't discount them and move on, but that we actually see that part of the new humanity is that there's value in those people. And so we are quick to listen and slow to speak when we sit with them. We're eager to do and seek justice. And not justice by how I define it, but by being hearers of the word. We're not arguing with what my thoughts are. That's up for debate. We're saying, what does the whole counsel of God's word say? Now let's go do it. What does he say about sexuality? Let's go do that. What does he say about marriage? Let's go do that. What does he say about finances? Let's go do that. What does he say about the underprivileged? Let's go do that. What does he say about how we're supposed to treat our brother and sister? Let's go do that. So my challenge to us this morning is this. And I'm so convicted as I study it because I go, it points back to I'm inept and I fail. And if I didn't have that foundation of what I first said, of that I'm his kid and it's a bad Billy story, you are sons and daughters of the king. You are righteous because you've been made righteous through the one sacrifice, the final sacrifice. There's no repeating that sacrifice. There's no need for me to pick up what I could never carry. And yet I respond now as a kid to say, this is how the Father has showed me to walk. His word is a light to my feet and a lamp for my path. How does a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to your word. Love one another, be patient, gentle, kind. So that's how I live. So the challenge is this. One, know that you're loved by the King this morning. There's nothing that you can do to earn his favor. There's nothing that you can do to earn more love from God. You are loved in this moment as you are right now. He's not in love with the future version of you. He loves you as you are in this moment. Two, for those in Christ this morning, respond accordingly. Respond to the perfect law that gives freedom, that as you experience freedom, that you express that freedom tangible ways, not pontificating, not strategizing, but get to work. Not so that you earn favor, but so you express the kingdom of God because you're so touched by the love that you've received. Three, and the worship team comes back up. Be in his word. It sounds so dumb, but would you read it? Don't live off of my quiet time. Don't live off the quiet time that somebody else has already had. Go learn about the God who's crazy about you this morning. Go learn about the heart of the Father, and how much he loves you and he's with you in this moment. Already this morning I heard very hard things from people that are struggling with things. Go learn how God cares about you this morning. How he wants to respond, how he's calling you to care for your son or your daughter or your husband in this moment of tension. In the frustration moment where you want to be angry and you want to respond that way and you want to say what you really think. Go learn how you're supposed to respond so that 42 years of marriage isn't suffer happy suffering. you look at each other with new eyes and say we're sons and daughters of the king. No way. (laughs) This is awesome. It's hard at times. It sucks at times. But he's with us. How do I know that? Well, because he told me. I mean, I heard Dominic and Ryan and others talk about it, but I had to go find out for myself and yep, there it was. So would you read his word? Practically, would you read the book of James with us this week? It's five chapters, and I'm going to challenge three levels, okay? Three levels of. I want you to read two verses a day. Can I get an amen for two verses a day, anybody? Okay, we're going to level up. You're going to read a chapter a day. It might take you three to five minutes, okay? Put down Instagram, pause the movie, whatever your thing is. Three to five minutes, chapter a day. Can I get amen for some chapter a day? Okay, if you're all in, I'm going to ask you to read five chapters a day for the next week. That should take you about 20 minutes. I'm a very slow reader, I promise you. 20 minutes to read the whole book of James. And guess what? If you have your phone and you have an app... It reads it to you. Oh, damn. It gave you like up, up, down, A, B, select, start right there. That was, gave you the secret code. Five chapters a day for the week. And all I want you to do in that time in this week is go, God, what are you saying? What are you asking of me? Help me to do it. It's not, that sounded like so dumb when I just heard myself say it, but it's so hard, isn't it, at times? Two verses a day, a chapter a day, or the book every day for the week. God, what are you saying? How do you want me to respond? Help me to do it. Amen? Hmm. So maybe we be about that this week, church. You're loved, you're accepted, you're washed, you're clean, you're new. Would you go live in your newness this week, expressing the kingdom to those that are watching and waiting and longing for good news? May you keep diving in continually to the good news so that it can inform you how to live as his kids. If you haven't accepted that message, I would love to talk to you. Ryan would love to talk to you about that message and that good news. We love to help you take a step in accepting that good news. Walking in and exchanging those old clothes for new clothes. Walking into the new kingdom as a king of the kid. Beyond that, go love each other. Go express his goodness on the plaza. We'll see you next week. God bless you.